or not specialty, but like items like used cars and trucks price has increased by 29.7%. Yeah. Which is so unfortunate because I was thinking about buying a new car and now I'm not. inspired by our previous U.S.-China matchup when we did the COVID tournament episode. Um, I wanted to talk again about these two kind of world superpowers of the 21st century. Um, But this time I wanted to kind of turn our lens a little bit, reevaluate how they're handling COVID as the pandemic in the U.S. is winding down, um, fingers crossed. Uh, and this time focus a little bit more on the economy. So Don, I'm excited to hear your perspective on this is kind of the big, I think, issue of geopolitics going forward. So I'm excited to hear from you. And of course, good morning as always. Well, no, it is still morning for you. Yes, it's still morning. It's I'm in New York and probably the, uh, today is our campaign last day for the fundraising. We have a, a host of, 100, exactly 100 fundraiser in the past uh, almost uh, five months. And we raised uh, 10.9 million. You should make a cake. You should make like, you know, like when TV shows have like, they get to their 100th episode and they like have a cake that says 100 or like they get 100 cupcakes. You should do that. Maybe. Go to Magnolia Bakery and get 100 red velvet cupcakes or what other other New York kind of thing you love. <laughs> I, will, do it. I will. I will do it on the June 21st. Do it and send me a picture. I want to see. I will. Yeah. <laughs> but getting back to the issue kind of at hand, I want to set the stage a little bit. Um, so China's economy is, I, and I'm adapting this from an article that was published like eight months ago, so it might be a little out of date, but this is one of the best analysis I could find um, in my research. China's economy is poised to come out of the pandemic um, a lot stronger than the U.S. economy. Obviously, we had a lot of shutdowns um, and have dealt with the pandemic for a lot longer than um, the Chinese have. So this is from a Reuters analysis that I, I kind of pulled from. I thought this quote was really good. So China's economy in 2021, it's going to be 10% bigger than it was in 2019. And every other major economy in the world is going to be smaller. This is from Nicholas Lardy, an economist with the Peterson Institute for International Economics. So given kind of the pre-pandemic geopolitical stage and now this, how do you think we should like respond to this news? Is this worrying to you? Um. It's hard to see worry to me. Okay, it's a kind of a, it's a, I'm a pretty controversial. It's a, both have a, a Thai friendship relationship in this country. My heart's here, but also it's a, I still have a, a lot of a connection, family members, uh, friends in China. So it's pretty pretty hard for me to make a, a objective judgment about the two countries' economy, especially at the pretty. Uh, micro level, so, so it's uh, uh, in terms of uh, uh, monetary policy, budget uh, policy, and also it's a uh, uh, consumption production. Those kind of were in generally. So I know it's uh, both countries have their uh, internal conflict and issues, 
But uh, in terms of numbers uh, so far, so we do uh, see the number China has been pretty good. But you know, it's a, the, the challenger, the number is that we need to wait for maybe another six months. We can see some uh, true numbers on the real uh, economy happened in China. But so far, uh, I believe this number is uh, somehow it's uh, accurate. It's mm -hmm. uh, do have a more stronger uh, recovery in, in general. There's uh, the most uh, engine for China to uh, recovery from pandemic is because the national and the state owned the business is uh, turned into back to uh, operation very quickly and mm -hmm. mandatory. And they don't say like this country, each uh, business, business person, each entrepreneur is a business owner, they somehow have to worry a lot of, we cannot see human rights, but they put the safety issue at a pretty high level and uh, to avoid the legal challenge. But in China, there's no such concern. So it's just go back to work, everyone have to go back to work. And also in China, there is no uh, stimulus check to everyone. So it's uh, if you don't work, you have no food on table. So it's the uh, most people, whenever they think it's uh, they can go back or it's the government ask them to go back to work, they can immediately go back. The second thing is uh, uh, on the production side, China has a very strong number, but uh, on the other side, the consumption side, it's a uh, very, very weak. So that's the worry of mine and uh, mm -hmm. a lot of people there. It's uh, ordinary people, especially white colors, the, uh, the office workers, yeah, they are facing a lot of a challenge about the uh, uh, inflation. So it's the like a what, apple, pork, beef, vegetable, fruits, Just basic uh, consumer goods. Yeah, basic consumer goods is uh, jump a lot, but on the other side, the uh, uh, construction materials jump a lot, like a two, twofold or threefold already. So mm -hmm. it's a, when you say economy is uh, jumping back but people didn't put inflation there. So that's the, if you put a lot of money by state, by government, and those money is going to put into the infrastructure and the, put into the construction. In general, it's the, the GDP is going to grow up, but the consumer and every citizen consumption is very staggering. So probably it's reduced like a 0.1% already so it's the, now the fully recovery so the government mm. trying to encourage people go to buy something consume consumption and uh, try to buy some uh, domestic product to stimulate the economy but so far it's not very good so that's why it's the i think uh, china's uh, uh, economy although have a 10 point uh, 10 percent increase compared with this country but i don't worry too much about this country at this moment yet it's going to be uh, run by the invisible hand gradually and uh, run by the each state, each entrepreneur is gradually is going to coming back. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I also, it's funny that you bring up the inflation issue because I was like laying in bed this morning, reading the New York Times headlines, like not wanting to get out of bed. And the like landing page of the app today is about inflation in the US of like consumer goods. I might even just pull it up and see if I can find the, the statistics. Yeah, so that all items, average price change from May, 2021 
to May 2020 is a 5% jump. Um, and that's especially big for like specialty or not specialty, but like items like used cars and trucks price has increased by 29.7%. Wow. Um, yeah, which is so unfortunate cause I was thinking about buying a new car and now I'm not, <laughs> um, uh, airline fares have also gone up a lot. And another interesting thing is like, um, you know, uh, like wood plywood, like four by fours. Are, are massively expensive right now because my some members of my family are trying to do some home renovation and my my parents are so mad because they're like this is a terrible time to be doing this project like why would you be um spending this money right now um so it's interesting the ways in which like what what we're facing here in the U.S. and we're facing in China is kind of similar even though um we're sort of I don't know competitors I don't know what we it's, <laughs> it's like the cold war but different so I don't know how we like want to talk about it. But I also wanted to um, talk a little bit about uh, the the uh, new Senate spending bill. That's kind of what got me into talking about this issue. Um, so it's a rare bipartisan supported effort to beef up, beef up um, US research spending um, to compete with China. President Biden has said like, this is great, let's do it. It obviously passed the Senate. Um, with a majority and will now go to the house. Um, and so I wanna read this quote from the Associated Press's reporting. So Chuck Schumer said of the bill, the premise is simple. If we want American workers and American companies to keep leading the world, the federal government must invest in science, basic research and innovation, just as we did decades in the decades after the second world war. Whoever wins the race, to the technologies of the future is going to be the global economic leader with profound consequences for foreign policy and national security as well. Do you have like a reaction to this US bill or just the general way that American lawmakers are kind of approaching um, what's shaping up to be like an, a sort of economic battle between the US and China? Yeah, you know, this is a long uh, overdue policy of the bill to the United States. You know, it's a Congress, uh, Congress member, Roy Connor in our Silicon Valley district. He's very focused on the commerce, on the international trading, but also he's very focused on the Silicon Valley, all the tech companies. And uh, he talked hundreds of different CEOs in the Silicon Valley. And he knows exactly how we are behind China on the technology and the investment, and also the more important on the human capital. So it's the, whether it's, you have a, uh, something new is based on the basic research, but in this country, United States, you go to see the every university college like Harvard, Princeton, Yale, MIT, it's on, in the PhD program, there's like a, at least a one third or even half of the PhD student doing the basic research is from China. So, you know, it's the, that's the kind of a warning sign for this country, especially if we continue US-China uh, going to go to the, we call it the Cold War or new type of Cold War relationship. So this type, this type, of, type of a researcher or it's the uh, scientist or professor they cannot allocate their home either in this country or go back to China. If they all go back to China, we lose some human capital. But in China, in the past 10 years, they have been 
offer for this kind of a student, mm-hmm. whatever high levels, the salary, housing uh, incentives. So they have a, like a, uh, they want to attract a, the code. Right. The goal oh, is to get oh, people to go yeah. to the U.S. for the education and then yes. to come back to China to work. Yes. They, the government put a lot of money there. That's the one part of it, uh, of this bill's background. On the other side, actually, it's, uh, uh, this bill, I believe, is stimulated by the uh, chip shortage. You know, it's uh, every car company, they stuck there. Nobody have a chips, very simple chips. This yeah. is from Taiwan and not from mainland China yet. But the, the mm-hmm. Taiwan this is why I can't go buy a car right now. Yes, yes. This is why they're so expensive. This is the yeah. so, so stuck, almost worldwide. The car manufacturers are stuck there and just miss one piece of uh, chips. So it's the um, China has been invested in chips manufacturer. I think it's probably it's 100, maybe like a 10 billion or 100 billion and in the past uh, maybe five years mm-hmm. but it's a very very challenging most of the chip design or warfare is not in 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 china they can make it in short term but the us have an advantage so they just invest money and all the human capital researchers or the scientists or designers most they they can easily uh in and out from this country. So that I, I believe this uh, this bill is a uh, uh, really benefit to the United States. The only thing uh, I'm a little bit worried about how the structure the money, this, they put a lot of money on the uh, National Science Foundation cool. to sponsor some research, but that one is a, like a pretty, pretty bureaucracy uh, my understanding this money is supposed to give some incentive to private uh, company or to the private sector or even go to the individual that's going to uh, have a more uh, incentive mechanism mechanism to to build a new entrepreneurship new business mm-hmm. yeah there's like so many layers of this issue and I do want to get um, at least one more question in which is that um, China is reimposing some of its COVID restrictions um, Mm -hmm. in the face of a new outbreak. So I also wanted to give us a minute to maybe revisit. I don't remember when we did our like COVID head to head matchup and I, I did China and you were the U S I don't remember who we, who we gave the the win um, to in our very unofficial tournament, but I'm wondering if we should reevaluate their handling of the pandemic. And I think as we get further and further away from, from the major outbreaks, it will be really interesting to kind of go back to all of the countries that we've been talking about, sort of as we did with India and say, okay, so did this approach of cracking down right away really work or did it end up causing more harm than good? So I'm wondering if you have any kind of evaluation of the current um, kind of re-emergence of COVID just in, in East Asia in general. I know the situation in Taiwan right now is also really difficult. So um, do we need to reevaluate that sort of strict um, lockdown and contact tracing approach to pandemic management? I think it's uh, each country always uh, just to compare uh, United States and China. It's supposed to have a different uh, uh, totally different approach, but uh, in the mentality and also it's uh, in terms of uh, control level or it's uh, contact tracing. Uh, I 
I like a China's contact tracing. It's very easy if they have a second round or third round or potentially future have something is the contact tracing is the most effective way to do it. If US can do some, somehow can make some contract, uh, contact tracing, it's going to help. But in general, it's uh, like a, a US uh, uh, or models just uh, make all the people pretty relaxed and just uh, make sure the emergency uh, happen and we can have some response, but uh, keep some people uh, individual freedom at the meantime. In China, it's, uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty, I think it's pretty suffering from individual freedom in that kind of level, but you know, the people there, they used to it. So it's a, we cannot comment about that part, but mm -hmm. uh, from, from outsider, I think it's a, they, they, they did a, a little bit too much. All right, well, we will wrap it up there for this week. Just a quick little conversation. And I would love to talk more about this in the future. Super interesting. I was listening to a podcast actually a couple weeks ago where the guest was saying that he's more worried about like a global war between the US and China than climate change, which totally blew my mind. So maybe we'll revisit this subject again soon. And we haven't really talked much about climate change on this podcast. So I'm now like filing that away, but we'll wrap it up there. Don, thanks for making time for me as always. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. We're going to have a more special guest coming to our podcast soon, right? Hopefully. <laughs> okay. And um, yeah, so I'll just read the outro now. My name is Katherine Simpson. Our podcast is sponsored by Asian American Forward. You can visit our website at www.asianamericanforward.com. If you enjoyed the show this week or have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on a future episode, send us your comments at info at asianamericanforward.com. We would love to hear from you. You can also find us on Facebook and hear more conversations between Don and I at our YouTube channel. If you're a fan of the show, leave us a review in the Apple Podcast Store or tell someone about us. It really helps people find the show. Thanks, and we will talk to you again next week.